The Christian life is a high calling. God calls his people to love him above all else. He calls us to go where he wants us to go and to do what he wants us to do. And Moses is going to find that out in today's scripture. God is going to call him to to go back to Egypt, to go to Pharaoh and to bring the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. But you know, it's not a solo journey. When God says go, like he did to Moses, we ought to listen. When God says that we should love our neighbors and our enemies, that we should live a holy life and proclaim the gospel. These are things that we ought to do, but not because we are something. We ought to follow God because we believe that he is something. Because we believe that he is our greatest good. That we ought to go because we know that he is someone greater than any other. And the message of the good news is the greatest news that we could ever offer. We ought to obey because we know and love his name. The good news from God's word today is that God is Yahweh. He is the all-sufficient Lord, eternal, unchangeable, greater than any other. And this God, Yahweh, goes with his people. It's who he is that makes all the difference in Moses' life and in our lives today. Going to begin with the reading of the scripture, the first part of Exodus chapter 3, Exodus 3 1 to 10. Now, I referred to this passage last week briefly. We highlighted verses 7 to 9, and we saw God's purpose to come and save his people. How wonderful it is to know that our God keeps his promises, that He is a compassionate God, so gracious to those that are suffering. Today, we're going to consider God's holy presence. And further, we're going to consider his great name. And see what difference does that make in our lives today? I want to read Exodus 3, verses 1 to 10. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush has not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, 
God called him out of the bush. Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians have oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. When God reveals himself to Moses, he reveals himself in a flame of fire, a bush that is not consumed. We see that the Lord is awesome in holiness. That is that he is absolutely perfect in every way. It's what the holiness of God means. And God's holiness, his perfections, set him apart from all others. The holiness of God here is so great that Moses is told that he must not come even one step closer. In fact, Moses is is afraid. He, He looks away when he sees the holiness of God. When we think of God, do we think of the holiness of his presence? How perfect he is. How great he is. When you think of God, does it amaze you that God's grace is so evident in the midst of his holiness, in the midst of his holy presence. You know, God is so pure and good that Moses cannot draw near. Yet God came down. And God called Moses by name. God came down to send Moses to rescue his people out of his great love. The almighty God whose holiness is unapproachable. None can compare. He is pure in all his ways. There is no unrighteousness in him. This God is sending Moses to Pharaoh. Let's not miss the grace of God 
in the midst of his holiness. We remember this God who is set apart above all things and we praise him. And we praise him most of all that he would come down to save us. Let's pick up the story in verse 11 with Moses' response to to not only God's holy presence, but this message that he is coming to save, that he is going to show compassion, that he is sending Moses to rescue his people. Verse 11, Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? That I should go, Moses asked this question that any of us might ask when faced with the, the greatness of God. Why me? And perhaps he thought, don't you know that I already failed in Egypt? Don't you know that I tried God and it didn't work out? Remember Exodus chapter 2 when he, he killed the Egyptian to save the the Israelite, he tried and he'd failed and he'd run away to Midian and made a, made a good life for himself there. We don't know Moses' thoughts, but what we can see is that Moses is looking to himself. He looks at himself and he says, who am I? He looks at himself and he doesn't see anything in him that is worthy of being God's promised deliverer. He doesn't see anything in him that why, why should it be him that was chosen? And, and if we're honest, if I'm honest, when I look at myself sometimes, um, I too see nothing worthy. I'm not enough. Moses in chapter 4 is going to say, I'm not a good enough speaker, God. And there's many, many excuses and questions that we might have, ways that we are weak and inadequate. Well, the world has a real simple answer. The world tells us to believe in ourselves to just maybe love yourself a little more and feel better about yourself. But feeling better about yourself doesn't fix the problem because we come up against all sorts of things that we can't handle. And so maybe we go to, to other things. We go to pills, we go to drugs, we go to people. We seek to fill that void. Looking to ourselves is not the answer. Because we all need help in some way, shape, or form. I want to be clear, it's important to know who you are, folks. It's very important that you know who you are. It's important that we know who we are apart from God. It's important that we know we're dead. We are lost. We are headed for destruction apart from the grace of God. But, and it's equally vital to know who we are 
in Christ. Thanks to the grace of God in Jesus Christ that we are of value in his eyes. Did not Jesus say, look at the sparrows and how God takes care of them and are you not of much more value than all of them? These things are important for us to know when we look at ourselves, that we look at ourselves through the lens of our relationship with Christ, apart from him, with him. But here, the answer that God gives is different than looking to yourselves. Let's take note of God's answer to Moses' question. Verse 12. He said, God said, but I will be with you and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. Did you notice what God does not say? God did not say, Moses, you are enough. Go get them. He does not say, Moses, you learned from the last time. You're mature enough now. I'm going to send you. No. What did God say? He says, I will be with you. Did you hear that? I, God says, the holy, awesome God of your fathers, will be with you. And I'll give you a sign. When you bring the people out of Egypt, when, not if, you shall serve God on this very mountain. And we have the testimony of Scripture to know that this is indeed what took place. God's presence is what makes all the difference in our lives. Without Him, we are nothing. We read that in our memory verse. It was a very fitting, timely word from John chapter 15. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. But those that remain in Him will bear much fruit. With him, we can go with confidence. So I ask, do you believe that God is with you? Do you believe as someone who has trusted in Christ, if you have done so, that you have placed your life in his hands, that God is with you? Do you see God as near? God's presence makes all the difference in our lives. Now Moses has another question in verse 13. He seems to be a man of many questions. I can kind of relate to that. Sometimes we have a lot of questions about life and Moses seems to want to be really sure. And uh, questions can be a good or a bad thing depending on where we turn to. Moses turns to God. And in, even in his questions and maybe his doubts, he does look to God and God is oh so gracious to give us an answer. But let's look at Moses' question first. 
Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So so Moses desires to know two things. He wants to know the name of the Lord, if they should ask, which they would have asked. They wanted to know who God was. And what should he say about the God of his fathers? What should he tell them when he comes? This is amazing news. God is going to deliver you from the hand of Pharaoh. And the answer God gives, he does. He tells them his name. And he tells them his plan. God reveals who he is by his name. Verses 14 and 15, God's answer. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. God tells us three things here in response to Moses' question. First, God tells us who he is. He says, we're not done yet, I don't think. Is that what he's saying? What's he asking? Oh, dad. Oh, okay. Yeah. So God tells us, first of all, who he is. He says, I am that I am, or I am who I am. When God says, I am that I am, he is talking about his being. His nature or or his essence. And we see that God's being is absolutely unique. God is set apart in so many ways. There are so many aspects about who God is and his being that we could talk about. When God says, I am that I am, you could put it another way. If we were saying it, we might say he is that or he is who he is. And he always was who he is. Do you remember Genesis 1 verse 1? God said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Everything else. The heavens and the earth, the entire universe, came into being. Wasn't there, and then God created it out of nothing. Everything else in the entire world came into being through him, but God always was. He is who he is, and he was whom he was and is today. God is eternal. 
God doesn't change. So God tells us who He is. And then He says, I am has sent me to you. This God who has always existed, who is greater than all others, who has created all things. He has sent Moses to the people. And then lastly, God tells us his name, his name that is to be remembered to all generations. Read again verse 15. God says, the Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This name, the name Yahweh, is my name forever. And this name, again, Yahweh, is my memorial to all generations. When God tells Moses his name, God is telling us who he is. A name tells us something about who we are. In today's culture, names maybe don't have a ton of significance. They usually were chosen in many ancient cultures and had some kind of a meaning behind them that was associated with that child. And often at manhood or womanhood, a child would receive a new new name. But even today, we, we know that, that a name identifies us. And it, it tells us apart from every other Joe Buck and Jane Doe that's out there. Well, the name of the true and living God is Yahweh. Yahweh is a Hebrew word built on the Hebrew verb, I am. It has that same sense or meaning as the, the saying, I am, or I am that I am. And this name, Yahweh, appears over 6,800 times in the, the Hebrew scriptures of the Old Testament. Always it refers to Israel's God alone, our God. He alone is Yahweh. Though God reveal, re- reveals himself in, in many different titles, this name more than any other is the one God chooses here to reveal who he is. And so it's very significant. The Jewish people revere God's name so much so that they even refuse to say his name out loud. lest they take the Lord's name in vain. They revered it. And so when they came across Yahweh in the Hebrew Scriptures, they would say another name. They would say Adonai, my Lord. And in fact, actually, most of our English translations follow that translation. We see the Lord. I think the King James translates Yahweh some of the time, but not all of the time. But most translations translate it the Lord following that Hebrew tradition of revering God's name. But it's not simply a title of Lord like 
that's stacked onto your name, a position. This is the name that God chooses to identify himself. That he is the I am. Oh, by the way, when, when English translation translates Yahweh, they usually translate it Lord, all caps. So if it's Lord without capital, all caps, it's, it's likely not the name Yahweh. But that's a way that the English translations have tried to be consistent with the name Yahweh, the Lord. And, uh, you know, at the very end of verse 15, God says, this is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So, you know, there's a very practical application when we come to this verse. Every time Israel heard or read the name Yahweh, or even its short form, Yah, which we saw in our song that we sang this morning, Hallelujah, praise Yahweh, praise the Lord. Every time you and I see the Lord, all caps, in the Old Testament of our English Bibles, we ought to remember this is God's name. And this is important because it's the name God has chosen to reveal himself. Psalm 9 verse 10 says, Those who know that your name put their trust in you. Those who know your name, O oh God, put their trust in you. The psalmist understood that knowing God's name, knowing who he is, is what leads us to trust in him alone. So I would invite you to tuck that little bit of information away and maybe remember when you read the name, the Lord, that we would think about who he is and what this name means. The name Yahweh, I mentioned, is related to the verb I am. And you might not see that immediately without knowing some kind of Hebrew. But the Bible is understandable even if we don't know the original languages. God has communicated his word in the languages of, of the common people, all of us. And we can see how they're related when we look at verses 14 and 15. We can see how the name I am and Yahweh parallel each other. In verse 10, God told, tell, tells Moses, Say to the people, I am sent me to you. Now in verse 15, God says, He repeats himself, but he doesn't say, I am has sent me. He says, Yahweh sent me to you. And so do you see there, if, as you look, how those names parallel each other? They show us that this God, Yahweh, is I am. That as he said to Moses, I am that I am. The depth of God's being is beyond words. But God's name teaches us who he is. 
God says, I am. I'm going to talk about four implications of God's name. There's so much that we could say, but just to touch on four aspects of things that we see when we hear the name Yahweh, the Lord, I am. Number one, God's name Yahweh means, first of all, that God is there. He exists. That's what the verb I am means. It means that you are in a state of being, of existence. God says, I am. And he says, I am with no qualifications. God has always been. And he always will be. The phrase, I am that I am speaks of God's eternal nature. He always was who He is. A merciful, gracious, good, compassionate, just, holy God. Maybe it seems obvious that God exists, but as one preacher said, the vast majority of people who say they believe in God really treat him like he was hydrogen. You see, maybe in high school, you remembered that we, you learned that hydrogen is a particular element on the periodic table and that it is present in, in water molecules, H2O, and, and you memorize some facts for a test. And then most of us, we may still remember the facts, or we may forget them entirely, but we move on to other things, things that seem more important to us. You think about ways that you may have treated God that way, that you could say some facts, but what difference has it made on your day-to-day -day life? I know that I'm guilty that I have treated God that way. Growing up in a Christian home, in many ways, we can be susceptible to that. We can hold to creeds and, and uh, state doctrines, but not know the name of the Lord. Not trust in Him, entrust our lives to Him. And here's the thing, bound up in God's existence as the great I am is the truth that we will one day give an account for what we did with the knowledge of him. What did we do with the fact of God's existence? Did we pay him honor? Did we delight in his beauty? How amazing it is that he is beyond anything we can imagine greater than anything we could see with our eyes? Did we seek out his affection? Or did we give him some kind of a lesser place? Somewhere in a dusty shelf in our heart. What have you done with the knowledge that God exists? He is. I am, God says to each and every 
one of us. Secondly, God's name reveals that that he is all sufficient. When God says, I am that I am, he is saying that I need nothing. I have everything that I need in myself. He is completely sufficient, completely independent from everything else. He was before everything else. In fact, it's the other way around. We think God maybe depends on us sometimes, but we depend entirely on him for our existence. He doesn't depend on anyone for his existence. He needs nothing Do you believe that? That God is so great that he could exist simply in himself, that he would need no one? And what great joy that gives when we realize that then God does choose to love and to not only create us, but to desire to to pursue a relationship with us, his people. That's a wonderful thing when we realize God is all-sufficient in himself. That means that he is certainly all-sufficient for you and I and our needs, even our salvation. So God exists. God is all-sufficient. Thirdly, God's name reminds us he doesn't change. God says, I am who I am. He didn't say to you and I, Today, I am going to be just. I'm going to bring justice on earth today, but tomorrow? Oh, not tomorrow. God does not say, I'm going to love you today, but tomorrow you're on your own. No, God says, I am that I am. He remains the same. He is faithful. He is consistent. He is always True to his word. This is Yahweh, our God. And fourthly, if God is the all-sufficient, eternal, unchangeable God, who is the, the, he is then the greatest, highest, most glorious being in all the universe. He alone is worthy of praise. He alone is the greatest good, the most valuable treasure, the one whom we should seek after with all of our might, with all of our heart. His name is the most exalted of all names. Our God is greater and higher than any other. What will you do with the knowledge then of his name? Do you see the brightness of his glory, how great the Lord Yahweh is? At some point, all that have tasted and seen the Lord's goodness must come to a place where we acknowledge that he is who he is. That is, as C.S. Lewis put it, He is not a tame lion. 
is not under our control or subject to, to our view of reality. He is greater. He is Yahweh, the almighty, infinite Lord of the universe. As we consider who our God is, I want to finish Exodus chapter 3. Mostly going to just read it. Very short comment. But as we think about the name of God, God now reveals how he will act. And God will act always in accordance with his name. He will always act in accordance with who he is. This is what God says it's in verse 16 of Exodus chapter 3. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. And now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold, jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Amen. God's name reveals who he is and God shows who he is in what he does. And God did do as he promised. And on that timeline, next week we're going to see the battle raging in the minds of Moses and the people of God. Even though they knew this plan and they knew that at first Pharaoh should refuse, but God was going to Make a way by his mighty hand. And we'll see that battle. Will they trust this God? Will they listen to him? Will they serve him? Will you and I. Will we look at God's deeds and see. His gracious plan of redemption. His mighty power. Will we remember his name and be reminded that he is Yahweh. The God who saves. When you look at your life, who is it about? Who is it that you listen to? That you look at? Do you know the name of the Lord? Who is absolutely perfect, eternal, and unchangeable. You know, all of us stand much like Moses did on that day. On the mountainside, far from a holy God, 
unable to approach him. But as with Moses, God has made a way to be near his people. Those who call upon his name to be saved. That way that God has made is through Jesus Christ alone. He who is Yahweh, I am the eternal God who holds all things together. This Jesus who was absolutely perfect, died on a cross so that your sins and mine might be pardoned and we might be called by God to serve Him. Just as Moses was called to serve God on that mountain. You can trust in Jesus. You must trust in Him alone in order to be saved. He is Yahweh. The all-sufficient, unchangeable, absolutely and holy and wonderfully good God. He is with his people. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.